Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 19, 27 through 30. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem the least important now will be the greatest then. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Hey guys, um, my name is Josh. Uh, this morning I have the absolute honor to introduce our speaker, Jason Pogue. Um, I met Jason my junior year of high school um, as he entered into the role of pastor, uh, high school pastor, and actually ended up leading my life group uh, for senior year, which was a big task since I was 19 rowdy high school boys that didn't know what was up. Um, but, you know, at first I was a little, little skeptical, but I, I soon came to realize how, um, how funny, how wise, how relatable, um, especially how humble he is. Um, and... Um, yeah, it just turns out he had a, he had a big role in my life and um, helped me through personal, personal crises and um, even helped me lead a sermon and through FCA. He pretty much wrote it out for me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just been a big impact on my life. And um, yeah, I just hope, um, you know, this morning that you, you get a little taste of what I've, I've had in my life for the past few years um, with just how he loves God, with his whole heart, loves God's people, um, especially students. Um, so yeah, without further ado, further ado will you uh, help me welcome up Jason Pogue? Thanks, man. Love you. Well, it's uh, an honor and a privilege to be with so many familiar faces, so many of you who I had the privilege to serve and lead uh, back at Saddleback Church. Um, I graduated from this place almost 20 years ago, which is hard to believe. Uh, hard to believe that I'm that old, and uh, honestly, hard to believe that I'm standing here. Uh, this is a little bit of a surreal moment. Um, but I had some of the best years of my life in this place. So I- I'm grateful to be back. Um, Esteban, thanks for the invitation. It's, it's truly an honor. Um, I, honestly, I, I wish we had more time together this morning than just the short amount of time I was allotted because um, this place changed my life in so many ways. Uh, the miracle, honestly, of how I even ended up at Point Loma, uh, Point Loma Nazarene University. Actually, when I got here, it was Point Loma College. Uh, and so th- that story in and of itself is incredible, but we just don't have time for that. I wish I had time to tell you about uh, the time that our soccer team, which I played a very, 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 very small part on, I really held down the left side of the bench really well, Uh, but we took on, in preseason, we took on the number one team in the nation in D1 in USD, and we beat them. It was incredible. Um, I wish we could talk about all the times that I had professors who spent time speaking wisdom and encouragement into my life, the times that they got to class early or stuck around afterwards. I wish I had time to tell you about the friends that I made here who are 
some of them still to this day are our best and dearest friends. But we still have time for all of that. What I will tell you is that God used this place to give me one of the greatest gifts that he has ever given me. This is my wife, Rebecca. We, I know, she's hot. Um, We met here, and uh, man, just so grateful. It was uh, the first week of school in, I believe, 1998, and she was uh, speaking at Time Out, and my roommate and I decided to go and just see what else was happening on campus, and I walked in, and not only was I captivated by her beauty, but also the story that she was telling. She was sharing about her that previous summer of working up at Hume Lake Christian Camps and just the work that God had done in her life. Um, And and I literally leaned over to my roommate, uh, didn't know her at all, and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. Well, that girl and I now uh, have been married 19 years, so so I must be a prophet because I spoke it into existence. (laughs) And we have three kids. Uh, Abby is 16, She's a junior in high school, Hunter is 14, he's a freshman in high school, and Savannah is 11, Uh, she thinks she's in high school, so (laughs) it's pretty great. Uh, My wife and kids are all here with me today, Uh, but honestly, they're not here to hear me speak. They're probably the last people in this room that want to hear me speak any more than they already do. Um, Honestly, they're here because of some of you in this room. There are people in this room, like Allie Murth who have poured love into my kids, who babysat my kids when she was just in junior high. People like Sage, who got up here and read that scripture, who was Savannah's summer camp counselor two summers in a row. People like Trish Hopkins, who was in my wife's small group, who extended love and grace. And people like Josh, who I had the privilege of leading when he was in high school, and this past summer, He led my son, Hunter, at summer camp. And isn't that just such a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be? That as I've been privileged to lead and to serve others, that some of those same other people, some of you, have turned around and loved and led and served my kids. Well, I I grew up just north of here in San Diego County uh, in a little town called Encinitas, And one summer, my youth pastor put an event on the calendar called Bigger or Better. Has anyone ever heard of this, Bigger or Better? Not too many. Great. Let me explain it to you. It's it's a game that we played, and what we did was we all came to our youth room uh, one afternoon. He divided us up into teams, and then he gave each team a penny, and he sent us out into various neighborhoods with the goal of trading up over the course of a number of hours for anything that was bigger or better. And so we walked up to our first house and we said, hey, we're playing this game. It's called Bigger or Better. We've got a penny. Do you have anything that you would be willing to trade us for? And that person, uh, if I remember correctly, handed us like a nickel or a quarter, something just slightly bigger. And then we would take that and we would go to the next house and we same thing. Hey, we're playing this game, Bigger or Better. We've got something. Would you, would you trade us? So we did this for several hours. We all gathered back up uh, in our youth room to kind of show off our bounty, the things that we had collected. And uh, I remember one team walked in and they had this kind of old, beat up, rusty lawnmower. And it was like, 
Cool. What are we going to do with that now, right? And then another team walked in and they had scored a nine foot longboard. And everybody was like, oh, dang, how are we going to beat that? And I remember my team, we walked in, uh, it took several of us to carry it in, but we walked in with a sectional couch. <laughs> like this lady had it in her garage and she was like, yeah, I, mean, I was like trying to figure out how I'm going to get rid of this thing. And you guys were like an answer to prayer. And we were like, we are, you know, like, oh gosh, now we got to figure out how to get these things back to the church. Uh, but they did make a pretty sweet addition to our youth room, which was great. Now, If you think that is fun, I read a story about a kid who, at the age of 15, began playing this game of bigger or better on Craigslist. He started with an old cell phone that someone had given him, so he literally had nothing in this game as far as things that he had put into it, nothing invested. And over the course of this two-year period, he ended up with a Porsche. This is a true story. Check this out. He traded in a cell phone... I think it took him like 14 or 15 trades and eventually a Porsche 2000 Boxster. Not bad, huh? I read another article about a guy who started with one red paperclip and he ended up with a two-story house. True story. (laughs) Crazy. Some of you are like, I'm jumping on Craigslist as soon as this is over. I don't blame you. Now, here's the deal. The two-story house was in Canada So it's, you know, it's debatable as to whether it's more valuable or not, whether he traded up. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, the paperclip is more valuable. (laughs) Now, there's a story in God's word of someone who was offered a trade. He was offered to trade up. He was asked if he wanted to play a little game of bigger or better. And in fact, the person that offered him that trade was Jesus himself. The scripture is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 19. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to there, that would be great. If not, it'll be up on the screens. But let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. It says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, 
You who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. There's a couple things I would love for us to kind of zero in on this morning out of this passage that I think so clearly tie into the theme of your chapels this year, which is into the depths. In verse 17, it says, Jesus actually says that there is only one who is good. And he's not talking about Peter. He's not talking about James. He's not talking about John. He is clearly talking about God, his father. And before we go any further, I really want you to just think about that statement for a second. I want you to just pause and think to yourself, do I really believe that? Like, do you believe that God is good? That he is completely good? My guess is that some of us aren't quite sold on God's goodness. Maybe because of some trauma in your childhood or in your past. Maybe because your parents got divorced and you struggled to see any goodness that could come from that. Maybe it was a friendship or a dating relationship that went south. Maybe you lost a loved one too soon. Maybe you've experienced some health issues and you've struggled through those. See, I think a lot of us We believe that God can be good. We believe that God can do good, but that God is good? Ugh, I'm not sure. But the truth is, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't make it any less true. The Bible is full of passages that speak to God's goodness, to his character, that his character is good, that his nature is good. That without him, there is nothing good. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. I love Genesis Chapter 50, verse 20, it's this amazing moment where Joseph, who had been sold into slavery by his brothers, is now confronted face to face with them. And they're freaking out because they're assuming he's going to exact his revenge on them. And listen to what he says. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. See, if or when you choose to believe that God is good that he is always good, that everything he offers you is good, that even the painful stuff that he allows us to experience, he plans to use it for good. If you say you believe that, then here's my follow-up question. What's holding you back? Why are some of us stuck in our faith? Why are we clinging on to old habits and sinful choices Why are we hanging out in the shallow end of our faith when all along God's been calling us to move just a little bit deeper? To take a risk, to be bold. 
See, our beliefs inform our behaviors. In other words, you only do the things that you believe to be true. You sat in the chair that you're sitting in this morning because you believed it would hold you up. Most of you, you attend class every day because you believe your professors are taking attendance. Some of you go to learn, but you get the drift. The reality is, is that until you truly believe, I mean really truly believe in your core, that God wants to offer you a better, deeper, richer, fuller life, you'll never grow to the maturity or you'll never become who God intended you to be. It starts with belief. It starts with a belief that God is good. And this is why just a few verses later, we read that this young rich man walks away sad. This incredible opportunity that he had to trade up for an even greater life, for even greater things than he already had. Which, let's be honest, he had it good. If we, if we believe what he claimed to say to be true, he had never broken any of the commandments that God told him he couldn't break, and he was rich. He had tons of stuff. But contrary to what many of us believe, Jesus isn't looking for perfect behavior. He's looking for pure hearts. He's looking for followers. Followers who will give up everything to gain even far greater things. I like to think of it like this. Our, our faith is like a trapeze swing. And the goal of a trapeze is not to just climb the ladder, get up to the platform, grab a hold of the first swing, and swing out, and swing back, and swing out, and swing back. And, and to be honest, it looks fun. We enjoy swings. But the goal of a trapeze artist is to move from one swing to the next. It's to progress. It's to trade up. It's to grow in Christ-like maturity. It's to be sanctified in Christ. It means you and I, we've got to learn to let go of that first swing to grab on to the second. And let go of the second to eventually grab on to the third and the fourth and so on. Sadly, this young man just didn't want to. Jesus told him exactly what he needed to do. There was no mystery involved. He knew exactly what he needed to do to trade up. He just wasn't willing. My guess is that for some of us in here, we're struggling with the same thing. It's the same thing that's holding us back. It's not a mystery what you need to do. God's Holy Spirit convicts us. He tells us what we need to do. For some of us, we need to stop gossiping, we need to stop lying, we need to stop partying, we need to stop being sexually active, we need to stop doing all sorts of things. For others, it's really not even about stopping doing something, it's about starting. God's been asking you why you haven't been spending time with him, why your prayer life is so weak. He's been asking you to to have a more consistent quiet time or to start tithing or to get involved in a local church and to begin to serve him. The point is, it's not the what. Most of us, we know the what. It's first about our belief and it's second about our desire. Do you even really want it? Do you believe that God is good and do you want 
the life that he planned for you? Do you want to trade up? When I was in junior high, I collected baseball cards and football cards. And one day, me and a bunch of my buddies, we walked down to our local card shop and I vividly remember taking two bucks and buying a pack of 1986 Topps football cards. And as I grabbed this pack and began to open it and began to kind of shuffle through the cards, seeing who, what players I'd received, I had this moment where I just paused. I kind of freaked out. I might have even caused a little bit of commotion in the store because I had landed myself a Jerry Rice rookie card. Now, if you don't know who Jerry Rice is, he's a wide receiver for the 49ers. He's a Hall of Famer. He doesn't play anymore. He will go down as one of the very few greatest wide receivers in the history of the game. And this card was, at the time, probably worth about 20 bucks. So my $2 investment was now suddenly worth about 20 bucks. Well, naturally, the shop owner came over, who I had recognized and knew a little bit, and he offered me a deal. He said he would trade me 10 more packs of 1986 Topps football cards if I would just give him my one Jerry Rice rookie card. Now, my junior high self, I'm thinking, I opened one pack and I got a Jerry Rice rookie card. If I open 10 packs, I'm going to get 10 Jerry Rice rookie cards, right? I'm thinking I'm trading up. And so I follow through with the deal. I give him my Jerry Rice. Oh, you guys already know where this is going. (laughs) I give him my Jerry Rice rookie card. He gives me 10 packs and I begin to open them and tear through them. And I'm flying through looking for Jerry Rice, looking for any card of value, really of any sort. But of course, after opening all 10 packs of cards, I end up with nothing. I end up with no cards of any value at all. It turns out because as I was thinking about this story the other night, I Googled it. I wanted to know what my odds were of finding a pack of, I mean, a Jerry Rice rookie card in a pack of 1986 Topps cards. And I discovered that there was only one card in every 23 packs. I was gambling with terrible odds. Can you say that at chapel and point gambling? I don't know. <laughs> I, I felt like, in hindsight, that I had gotten hosed by this card shop owner. He knew this was his living. But here's the deal. You will never get hosed by God. It's always a trade-up with him. And I don't know how this works, honestly, but what I know is that any time we give something to God, he gives us something back far greater. It's a trade-up every single time. And somehow with God, it's always a win-win situation. When we give him our junk He gives us good stuff in return. Now, my hunch is that some of you are like I was 20 years ago when I was sitting in chapels. You gave your life to Jesus at a young age. You served him on missions trips through junior high or high school. You got into this great Christian university. 
but you've put your faith on cruise control. You're just kind of coasting. And the problem is, is that a good start never makes up for a lousy finish. It's time to trade up for all the things that God wants for you, that he intended for you, that are bigger and better. I would love to kind of close our time together by praying for all of us because the truth is, is that none of us have arrived. None of us have made it. We've all still got trading up to do. And I understand that Wednesdays in here are like community days. They're an opportunity that if you want, you can come down here to the front and receive some prayer. And so if that's you, you're more than welcome to make your way down. But here's how I'd love to do this. I would love for all of us to, as we close in prayer, just hold out our hands with our palms up in a posture of humility and ready to just receive from God whatever it is that he deems necessary for each one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your goodness to each and every one of us. God, none of us deserve it, and yet somehow you find us worthy of your kindness and your love. Would you forgive us of our sins? Would you forgive us of our apathy? Would you remind us of your deep love for us? And God, would you help us to draw closer to you today? Would you pour out your blessings on us? Would you protect us? And would you continue to be gracious with us? We humbly ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.